joining the podcast of Odessa First Assembly. I'm Pastor Todd Starnes. We're in a series called Teach Us to Pray that is coinciding with our 21 days of prayer and fasting. We'll be focusing on the patterns of prayer through Scripture to help us in our own prayer life. One of my favorite quotes is on prayer is from Max Licato. He said, Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. I pray that this series will help you grow from where you are to where God wants you to be. God bless you. So if you have your Bibles and you weren't, I'm going to have you turn to three different scriptures. Three different scriptures. One is James chapter 4 and verse 8. And so it'll be on the screen. And as you heard on the announcements, um, you can also go to the Version Bible app and just click events. And you'll find our church there with the sermon notes. There's also, um, if you did not, we had the greeters hand them out, the paper notes to go in your notebook or on the information desk. Also the tables in the back. So just keep those things in mind. And uh, But James chapter 4, verse 8, Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13, and Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. So you may actually want to maybe use your e-Bible on your phone or use your tree Bible, your actual paper Bible, and um, which I, I would encourage, I know it's easy with um, electronics, but I would encourage it always to bring um, your physical Bible. And so James 4, 8, Jeremiah 29, 13, Hebrews 4, 16. So, we're, so today is closing off our 21 days of fasting and prayer, and um, I'm excited for a couple of reasons, and one is that I really believe God is going to do something special this year, and two, I get to eat. It's okay to be excited about that. So um, I have learned, you know, fasting, um, I've, I've, uh, there's been a side benefit. You don't, you don't fast for this reason, but I did lose 30 pounds over the last 21 days. And so my goal for the next year is to not gain 30 pounds or 35. So sometimes that's kind of hard. But uh, I really hope that you partook somehow in some way. And here's the thing is that you don't have to do it just during these last 21 days, but it is a discipline that you can do for the rest of the year. I'm not saying like all year, every day, but maybe you want to pick a day a week or a time a week and, and just to really um, let go, let go of just influence and, and social media and electronics and food or however you would partake of a fast and just really seek the Lord. And as we begin this morning, really in my heart this morning, I'm going to be sharing with you about, you know, week one I talked about, you know, how to pray using the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6. And this morning I want to close with kind of along the same line, but this morning is something a little bit different. It is a pattern of prayer. We're going to look at the tabernacle and how to use that in our prayer time. And what I believe is very significant about doing this is that it's not just, it's not just about a plan. It's just not about a checklist of, of praying certain things, but really done correctly. What I believe is this will take you in a really a deeper place with the Lord. And that it's not just about uh, uh, you know, praying for some things and asking for some things, but it really is designed to help you to focus in and to spend time with the Lord. And so I'll say, I'm, I'm not necessarily asking that you have to go through all of these steps, you know, in, in one prayer sitting. But 
I mean, what really is beneficial to this is that you, you pick different times and, and focus on these areas. And you can walk through the tabernacle that we read about in Exodus and help you in that pattern of prayer. Before we get started, I want us to pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We just thank you for your presence and your work. And I ask that you would be good soil, that, we, that our hearts would be good soil, ready to receive your word, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we get started, I, I try to use some quotes every week that just kind of emphasize about prayer, and they're in your notes, but one of them is by Dr. Curtis Hudson. He said this, there is more that you can do after you pray, but there's nothing you can do until you pray. There's more that you can do after, when after you pray, but there's nothing you can do until you pray. Leonard Ravenhill, one of my heroes, uh, a revivalist, and he said this, the, the self-sufficient do not pray, the self-satisfied will not pray, the self-righteous cannot pray, no man is greater than his prayer life. And those really should be things that kind of, that, that hit us close to our heart, and I hope that through these last four weeks you've developed um, something new, something significant in your prayer life. In the first week I talked about how to pray, that pattern of prayer using Matthew chapter 6, we've talked about the plan of prayer, we, uh, we've talked about how to develop a consistent prayer life, we talked about spiritual warfare last week, and prayer at times should be something that is enjoyed, and I think we forget that, yes, prayer is a discipline, but it's something we also enjoy with our Heavenly Father. It's something that's just not we're, 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 we're dumping a, a bunch on the Lord, but we're receiving from the Lord. It's something relational. Prayer at times should be intense as we ask and we seek and we pray and we knock and we intercede. Prayer at times should be like a huge breeze just blowing over our soul and just refreshing us and restore us. And, you know, sometimes you're not going to feel like to pray. I, was, I just had memories this week of um, I'm, years ago, when I was, I was associated at a church in Amarillo, and um, I'll never forget a couple of times, I helped with the, I wasn't the youth pastor, but I helped a lot with the youth, and I would do things the weekends with the youth, and I remember one time our, you know, pastor gave altar call Sunday morning, and so I went down to the altar, and you know, music's going, people are praying, and, and I knelt down, and I started praying, and uh, the next thing I knew, I, I you know, that I, I kind of, I, I didn't realize what had happened, but I kind of figured out after the fact that I, you know, stood up and I was the only one in there. Everybody else was in the foyer talking. And I realized, it's like, oh, I, I laid before the Lord. Or I did that one time on the platform, too, and in the middle of prayer, and I dozed off, and it was, it was an all-night thing with the youth, and, and I realized, you know, I'm sitting there, and, and thankfully I didn't snore, at least I don't think I did, but the entire church was, you know, dismissal was happening, and you know, sometimes you're not going to feel like it, but then that's all the more you need to press in and do it. Sometimes there will not seem to be the time to pray, but listen to me. If you never make time to pray, there will never be time to pray. If you never make time to pray, there will never be time to pray. Sometimes you're not going to know what to say. Sometimes it's going to be difficult to pray, but the goal is to always pray. This week is our focus. It's on this other, this plan, this, this pattern. But listen, as we move into this, this is the, the key thing I want you to get into your heart. Is prayer is not to move God towards us, 
but it's to move us toward God. Prayer is not to move God towards us, but for us to move, for us to move toward God. And so as we look at those three verses, I want you to kind of process this. James chapter 4 and verse 8, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Who does the drawing? Now, now listen to me. The Holy Spirit, we know and we understand the Holy Spirit is who enables us, who opens up the path for us to connect with God. He, you know, we are drawn first to God because of the work of the Holy Spirit. But listen to me. In your day-to-day life, you must make the choice to draw near to God. You do the moving towards God. And then God responds to that. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me, and when you, you'll find me when what? You seek me with all of your heart. Everyone say all. Not some, not a little bit, but all of your heart we are to seek the Lord with. Hebrews 4, 16, let us with confidence. So, you know, in James 4, 8, we talk about draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So how do we draw near to God? With what kind of attitude? Yes, with humility, but also with confidence. Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in our, in our time and, and help of need come boldly draw near there is nothing that brings strength peace direction than through prayer and so as we talk about this i i'm really talking about something of intimacy of something of depth relationally with our father and so i want to use the tabernacle to do that when you look back in exodus chapter 33 and verse 11 there's going to be a lot of slides and we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture this morning but in Exodus 33, 11, it tells us something of Moses' encounter with the Lord when, and during that era of the tabernacle. In Exodus 33, 11, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord, used to speak to Moses face to face. And that's what just really kind of left out to me. How did Moses used to meet with the Father face to face? A man speaks to his friend and then only that when Moses turned again into the camp it talks about Joshua the son of Nun and young man would not depart from the tent so here's Moses meeting with the father face to face as a man speaks to his friend and Joshua to catch a hold of what was happening with Moses every part of the tabernacle points to Jesus I have a picture you have a picture on the screen of the tabernacle of of what it possibly could look like and this was the travel this is not the temple this is the tabernacle there is you know the Israelites there they came out of Egypt and they're in the wilderness for those 40 years and they had the this uh, mobile temple the tabernacle and so as you pray we can really picture things about the tabernacle to help us in our prayer because every aspect of the tabernacle is, is a, a foreshadowing of Jesus. And we know scripture tells us that Christ came not to do away with the law, but to what? To fulfill the law. And so the first thing you come to is the outer court. The first thing you come to is the outer court. The outer court is really that we have access even to the Father because of Jesus. 
We have access because of Jesus. Tony, if you'll go back to the slide of the tabernacle. And so, or yes, yeah, right there. And so this is kind of more of a diagram. And it shows us right there, the black arrow is our entrance in to the outer court. And so when you're praying, you can kind of visualize this in your mind or in your heart that you're coming in, you have access to even come in to the presence of the Lord because of what Christ has done for us. In John chapter 10, verse 9, he tells us that I am the door. If anyone enters by me, the only way to have access is through Jesus. The only way to the Father is through Jesus. And Jesus paid for that of course, with his life with, and shedding his blood. John 14, 6 tells us, I am the way and the truth and the life. And actually, that way, when you, when you look at that verse in John 14, 6, way is actually talking about that doorway into the outer court. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And some of us remember, know this verse, and some of us remember maybe the song better. There used to be a song we sing back in the day. But Psalm 104, that we enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. And his courts, we with praise. And we give thanks to him and we bless him. And so when we come into that outer court, we can really take a moment, as we've talked about so many times through this last month, is that we can spend time in worship we can spend time in giving God thanks. And so thanks is for what he's done. And we can stand there for a moment and thank God for his faithfulness. Thank him for his provision. Thank him for his healing, all that he's done in your life. And praise him for who he is. Worship God for who he is. I, you know, the coming into the end of last year and starting this year, we looked at this passage several times. And I want to look at it again. But in Psalm 103, it really tells us something. Psalm 103, beginning in verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquity and heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good. Who satisfies you with good. So that your youth is renewed like an eagle's. And so when you're spending that moment and giving that thanks and giving that praise. You can tell the Lord, you are my salvation. You are my salvation. It's because of you. And that I, my, my sins have been washed and cleansed. And, and that power of sin broken in my life. Lord, you're my healer. You're the one that heals me. I see the promises of your word, the, the stripes upon your back that I can contend and stand and receive miracles in my life. You're my redeemer. You're the one that brought me out of that pit. You're the one that redeemed my life out of that old life. You're the one that has made me new. Remember, the scripture tells us if anyone is in Christ, he's what? He's a new creation. And so we can really park there for a moment in that outer court and realize all that God has done for us, all that he has given us. You transformed me. Has anybody been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the gospel? You can thank God for that. You can take time and, and dwell there and soak there. And surely there's somebody in the house that God has blessed no, you know what? You may not drive your dream car or live in your dream house, but I'm going to tell you, God has blessed you. 
God has blessed you. And the enemy wants to blind you of all the good things that God has done in your life. The enemy wants you to dwell on the struggle, on the trial, on the tribulation, on the difficult things. But we don't want to magnify that. We want to magnify God. We want to worship Him. And so then you come to the brazen altar. The brazen altar, what it needs to remind us of is that Jesus, listen, listen to this statement, that Jesus received the evil due to us, that we might receive the good due to Him. In other words, let me say it this way. Jesus took your place on the cross. Jesus took your place in death. You see, the brazen altar represents the cross. The brazen altar represents the cross. We have a picture of that as well, what it could have looked like. And what you got to think about, and so people are in the outer court, and when they walk in and come in, they would come to the brazen altar. And they would have to look, they would have to see what was happening on the brazen altar. What was happening on the brazen altar Every day was sacrifices. They were seeing things dead for them. And I think sometimes we kind of lose sight and picture of what the cross really represents. The cross is more than a decoration on a wall. The cross is more than a necklace. What the cross represents is that everything evil and bad, death hell and the grave all rested on Christ on the cross and he took that place for each and every one of us and when he took that place on the cross an exchange was made there was a anybody ever gone to a swap meet or a flea market i mean there was a there was a deal made that is that we could that is beyond understanding because see our life is ashes according to Isaiah 61 but what Christ gave us was a garland of beauty. Our life may, see, it says that he's given us a, a, a beauty for ashes, the oil of gladness for mourning, the spirit of praise for heaviness. There was an exchange made on the cross for you. Is that not something that we can take time in our prayer time and be thankful and grateful to God for what he's done for us? The Bible says... In Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. You know, and if you're in your physical Bible, I know I've said this many times, but I, I think it's okay um, um, to write and underline, highlight things in your Bible. And in, in mine, I do have the, these words emphasized. He was pierced for our what? Our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement, that punishment that brings us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. And I'm going to tell you, I, I've spent time and I've prayed through this. And it's, listen, I, I think for some of us, our, prayer to, our eyes have been dry for too long in our prayer times. Men, listen to me, it's okay to be hit in the depth of your soul and your heart when thinking about all that God has done for you. Maybe, I, you know, it's, it's a rarity, but maybe there's some ladies that you're not criers. Uh, you, know, I, you know, usually ladies tend to be a little more crying than guys, you know. 
But it's the same. We need to be moved by what Christ has done for us. When you think about Isaiah 53, 5, and what I think about is this, is that the nails that free in the... That's freedom from the past. Those nails that nailed him to that cross. That he was pierced for our transgressions. That shame, that rejection, that fear, that anxiety, that addiction, that unstableness, that depression, that loneliness, the the failures, the abuse, the neglect. All those things, listen to me, the cross took care of it all. We have freedom from our past because the nails, the scripture tells us that we, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Listen, don't go back for what Christ brought you out of. <laughs> don't go back to what Christ has brought you out of. It is not worth it. I know sometimes it seems like the easier choice, but it is not. You'll pay far more in the end of it all. For the law of the Spirit has set us free in Christ Jesus. The spear, you know that spear that they ran up in his side, that spear that pierced his heart. Listen to me. It is freedom in our heart. I... In case you didn't know this, Scripture speaks very clear about the condition of our heart. The Scripture tells us that our heart is deceitful above all things. Now process that for a moment. I mean, all. I mean, it's one thing to hear our hearts are deceitful, but it says above all things. That's a little sobering. That's a little, you know, when, I don't, there was a meme that went around for a while on social media that, you know, had like the baby screaming or something like that, and it said, God knows my heart, and in the bottom it said, that should scare you, you know? (laughs) It's because the heart is deceitful above all things, but the promise given to us in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel 36, one of my favorite promises is that he'll give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And he does that because of that spear that was placed in his side. We can take a moment and thank God that he has transformed our hearts. The crown that, of thorns that was placed upon his head. When I, I think about that, I think about the freedom in my mind. The Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal, by your renewed mind. Uh, Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts in Christ Jesus. He gives us a peace that surpasses the facts happening around us in our life. Do you hear me this morning, church? He's renewed us. Matter of fact, it tells us in 2 Corinthians 2.15 that but we have the mind of Christ and the whip, that healing in my body. That healing in my body. One of my favorite promises to hold on to we see in the life of Jesus is Matthew chapter 8. It says, That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. He cast out the spirits with a word. And he healed all who were sick. And this is to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Going back to Isaiah 53. He took our illnesses and bore 
our diseases. Listen to me. I believe in the healing power that is in Christ Jesus. The third thing we come to is, so think, so you're coming to the outer court and you realize I can only be in this place because of what Christ has done for me. And as you're walking through, you see that altar and it's like, that's why that I can be here. That's why I can have the benefits and the blessings and the working of the Holy Spirit in my life because of what he did on the cross for me. And then we come to a place, the, it's called the, the lavier, the bronze lavier, lavier, laver, however you want to pronounce it. it, it and that's the moment we dedicate every area of our life to God. We dedicate every area of our life to God. Or may I say it this way, we offer every part of our lives to God. We need nothing back. We have a picture of that as well to kind of give you a visual image. Listen to me. I do, whether you believe it or not, I do try my best, you know, not to, uh, I guess that, you know, get on a soapbox about things, but sometimes I do. But listen to me. You are called, you, you, you are, I, there, there's something we've, we're adopting as a value in our church is that taking people from where they are to where God wants them to be. Growing people change. And I emphasize that at the beginning of this. Listen, if you are still at the place in spiritual maturity where you got in at, that's not the way that God has designed it. He wants growth from us. He wants spiritual maturity from us. And so as we look at it, as we offer every part of our life to God, I, there's going to be a time that I preach on this sermon. I... Uh, you know, for it, it's just a scripture, uh, you know, that, man, I look to from time to time. But I just want to bring it to your attention this morning. And it's, it's very sobering, but it's in Psalm 24. It's verses, two and, verses 3 and 4. It says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? Who has clean hands and a pure heart? Who does not lift his soul up to what is false, nor does he swear deceitfully. That is such a powerful promise of what it tells us in Scripture. Listen, but listen to me very quickly. If you're at a place in your life where you have struggled, you can still come boldly and confidently to the throne of grace. And the reason why is because of his grace. And because of his mercy. Listen, don't allow the enemy because you may fall short at times or you mess up or maybe you turn towards an old pattern. Don't let the enemy keep you from coming back in. I mean, how many of you heard it said it's just a step back, right? It's just, it's just turning from that path again, that way again. It's just one step back. God will do that for you. Offering every part of our life. The Bible says in Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, that you, you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And that, that uh, labor, what it was, it was a, you saw it on the picture, it was kind of a pedestal with a, what it was, was a bowl of water. And inside of it, that, that, that bronze was polished so well that it was a mirror inside of that bowl. And so what 
the priests would do, they would come to that basin, that bowl, and when they would look down to wash themselves, they would wash their hands, and they'd wash their face, and they would see a reflection of themselves. Listen, sometimes in prayer, it is really laying ourselves down before the altar and saying, God, search me. I want to surrender completely. And listen, sometimes we are scared to pray that because we don't know the cost of what it is we pray. But it is, it's worth saying yes before you ever know the question when it comes to God. It is worth coming to the Lord, to the altar, to that place and saying, God, here I am. Here I am, all of me. All of me. Don't hold anything back from God. He knows that it's there anyway. He sees you and he knows you. Put down there every, you know, when I, when I was a youth pastor, you know, of course you get, you know, there's a lot of questions. And, you know, as a youth pastor, I miss some of those questions sometimes. But, you know, questions like when it came to dating, how far is too far? You know what I'm saying, right? Okay. Is it okay for me to listen to this music or watch that movie or do whatever? And I, I would never, listen to me, I, and some of you may disagree with this, and that's okay. You know, I'm the one up here right now, so. And what I tell my students all the time is, it's like, if you really want to know the answer to that, spend time in the presence of the Lord and submit yourself completely to Him and say, here I am, God, whatever you want to do in my life, and you'll have your answer. That's a good thing for adults, too. Present your whole bodies as a living sacrifice. The fourth thing was this, the candlestick. We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That candlestick, that candlestick represented the power of God through life. It, it really represented of God breathing life into Adam's nostrils. And, and all through Scripture, you'll see a pattern of candlestick. You'll see in, in Revelations and representing the churches. It represents life. And we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We need that light of life in our life. And so when we pray, when we surrender, when we see ourselves in that bowl and we move on in to see that candlestick, we need to ask the Lord, fill me, empower me with the Holy Spirit. I know I've used the quote so many times. It was Charles Spurgeon, the, the prince of preachers in England, and something he would say, he, people would ask him, you know, he said, people ask me why I pray to be filled in the Spirit every day. And his response to them was, is because I leak. Listen, life sometimes just draws it out of you. If you're being the river of life, like what you need to be, the Bible says in John 7, 37, that out of our inmost being will flow rivers of living water. If you're being that vessel, that place where streams, not just one stream, but plural streams, rivers of living water coming out of your life, then you need to be refilled and saturated and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And when you take that time in prayer and say, God, fill me, saturate me, empower me by the Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2 tells us, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit, and, and I want you to really notice the capitalization and the, I mean, the title it's giving, the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. And the Spirit of counsel and might. And the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Listen, 
there are times where I'll take the time in prayer and I'll ask the Holy Spirit, I need the wisdom you have. I need to see things that's understanding. I need to see things the way that you see it. I, I need your counsel. The, the scripture promises us in John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, Jesus says, will teach you all things and bring them to your remembrance. And we need, I need that teaching of the Holy Spirit in my life. Are you hearing me this morning? If, if you will do this, it will transform the way you relate to God, your prayer time with God, and it will transform your life. See, the reason why sometimes some of you, and I'm, I'm excuse me for being pretty direct, the, the reason why some of you are contending with the same patterns of your life is you're doing things the same way. And you need to upset the fruit basket. You need to shift and change the pattern of what you're doing. And listen, it's through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that things change. It's not necessarily your will or want to. The Bible says in Job 20 that we build ourselves up in the most holy faith by what? By praying in the Holy Spirit. So we strengthen ourselves in our faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. We strengthen ourselves in our faith through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord, that's what it also tells us, is that, that praying for counsel and might and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then you can spend time and pray for the Holy Spirit, for the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Not that, that you can just put it on that day, but the key word of the fruit of the Spirit is to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Let that be an inward work of the Holy Spirit in your life to love. Let that be an inward work of the Holy Spirit in your life to have patience. Let that be an inward work of the Holy Spirit in your life to have kindness. Let that be an inner work of the Holy Spirit in your life to have goodness. Let that be an inner work of the Holy Spirit in your life to have faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Surrendering completely to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Number five, the table. Is this okay? Are you, are you guys with me? Number five is this, the table of showbread. We need to pray God's word. We need to pray God's word. I know I've shared this statement with you many times, but it's something you'll hear many, many, many more times, is that it's something one of my professors told me in, in college, in, in one of our classes, where he's telling the whole class, and of course, we know the verse, we love to quote the verse, that God's word will not return void. That his word will accomplish what it's sent out to do. And he said the reason why some of you have found that word returning void and not accomplishing what his word said it will do is because you're placing your opinion on top of God's word. He said that's not what it says. You send out God's word and God's word will not return void. 
You send out God's word, and God's word accomplish what it's sent out to do. You see, when God, from the beginning of time, when he set up the power of his word, he set up his word to do what he wants it to do. That was a really good statement if you caught it. See, sometimes the reason why the promises are not coming in a pass for us is because we're standing on the promise and not what the promise really promises. And what, so what we do, the way, if you pray God's word, you'll always pray God's will. If you pray God's word, you'll always pray God's will. The Bible says, Psalm 119, 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You don't have a show of hands, but is there anybody in the house that struggles with sin? You're like, why do I just keep going back to this pattern? Get in the word. Hide it in your heart. Do you know what hide that word in your heart means? Learn it, memorize it, get it inside of there. And then what you'll find is, is that when the pressure cooker happens in your life, you won't throw a bunch of F-bombs, but you'll throw some promises. Oh, that was good. I'm going to tweet that. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. And a, Are you looking for direction in your life? See, I, the reason why some of us won't hold on to God's word that tight and that closely is because we know what will be required of us. And we're afraid of what the cost will be. The cost will be far greater if you don't obey what God's word says. And you don't work in that light and the path that he's given you. I, I, I really don't, I'm not trying to browbeat or discourage. I'm really trying to encourage you. Listen to me. If you want to change in your path and get God's word in you, read your Bible. Read. Some of you, you may have 10 translations in your bookshelf and they're all dusty. Dust one of them off. And I'll tell you, listen, I, I, you know, there's all kinds of art. There was one, anyway, you know, I'll, I'll stand by what I've always said, what I've always believed. The best translation is a translation you understand. But listen to me, the more you dig in God's word, the more you'll understand. Number six is this, that altar of incense. And here's where we come in for our landing. Here's where we close, the altar of incense. Prayer must be central in our relationship with God. Surely you've gotten that by now. Surely after four sermons and four weeks of this, prayer must be central to our relationship with the Father. Prayer must be central to our relationship with the Father. In Psalm 141, 2, it says this, Let my prayer be counted as incense before you. And the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Psalm 29, 2. Ascribe to the Lord, do his name, worship the Lord in splendor and holiness. Listen, prayer is not designed to inform God, but to humble man's heart, to excite his desire, to inflame his faith, to animate his hopes, 
to raise his soul from earth to heaven. I want to say that again. It's Adam Clark. It's a quote from Adam Clark. Prayer is not designed to inform God. Where I think a couple of weeks ago, I don't know, I can't get the whole thing right, but one of the quotes we used is, um, you know, so many times we, we, we kind of get the, a misunderstanding of prayer that what we understand is, is that it's not about how eloquent or even what we say in prayer, it's that we, but we pray to a God that hears our prayers, they can do something about our prayers. Prayer is not designed to inform God, but to humble our hearts, to excite our desire. Some of your, your coals are burning pretty dim. And what you need, you don't need somebody to come in and give you a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or prophetic word. What you need prayer to do is to breathe some wind and life into those coals and let them ignite again. To inflame his faith. Do you remember when you first came to the Lord and you were zealous and passionate about the way that's rekindled is not the next new latest greatest worship song. It's your investment in the prayer to animate, to bring back to life your hope, to raise your soul from earth to heaven is only going to be done through prayer.